Our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Amen. Good morning and welcome to worship. The life that we live in this world is often difficult and challenging because of the presence of sin and its effects. Today, Jesus lifts our eyes beyond the troubles of this life to that day when he comes again in glory to bring us home. And he does so with a grand promise. He says that by standing firm, you will gain life. May he comfort us with that wonderful truth this morning in worship. Let's open with hymn 780, O splendor of God's glory bright. You're invited to stand as we sing the fifth verse. Our gospel reading today and the words of our sermon text, Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 19. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they're about to take place? He replied, Watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons, and you'll be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. This will result in your being witnesses to them. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. The words of Jesus. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, the Lord our Savior. Amen. My dear family in Christ, life is complicated, and sometimes difficult and challenging. We've all learned that the hard way by now, haven't we? The fact of the matter is that that's true even if you happen to be a follower of Jesus, one of his dear disciples. And I suppose that there's a part of that that seems to defy our human logic. We might logically say to ourselves, well, if I'm a follower of Jesus, then my life will necessarily go better. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes being a follower of Jesus can make our lives more difficult. 
For example, as a Christian, you might see things in your life that you know need to go. And so while the rest of the world just shrugs those kinds of things off or laughs about them, you struggle mightily with them every day. Or you look around in your life or look around at, at life in this world and you notice that things aren't getting better, they're getting worse. And a little voice inside starts to tell you that maybe this isn't the answer, this whole following Jesus thing. Maybe it's not worth it after all. Jesus wants to help us with that today. Now, I want you to know that he's not going to sugarcoat things for us in this text. In fact, he's warning us here of some of what his people will necessarily have to suffer through as they live their lives in a world that has been ruined by sin and that these things will keep happening all the way up until Judgment Day. But the words that he speaks to us here do invite us to see past all of that trouble, to look forward to a coming day of complete and ultimate deliverance. We call that day the last day, or judgment day. And today, dear friends, Jesus fills you with his hope by promising you that by standing firm, you will gain life. This text actually takes place just a little while after Palm Sunday. Jesus has already went riding into Jerusalem, and it's the final week before Good Friday. The cross is just a few days away, and Jesus is spending his time there in Jerusalem, in and around the great temple at Jerusalem, preaching and teaching. And his disciples found themselves looking up at that temple and marveling at its magnificence. Now, that temple was known as Herod's temple. Herod had undertaken the rebuilding of that temple. It, it lasted for decades, the rebuilding project, but that temple was a sight to behold. It was one of the wonders of the ancient Roman world. No expense was spared. It was filled with all kinds of ornate details, and it was built with these massive stones. Archaeologists have uncovered some that were 60 feet long. For reference, our church is about 40 feet wide. 60 feet long and about seven feet high. And the disciples are looking at this temple and they are filled with awe and wonder and they are commenting about those massive stones. And Jesus responds by saying, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. You know what he's talking about? Jesus, the all-knowing Son of God, is looking about 40 years down the road to the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. That happened in 70 A.D. And Jesus, sharing those details, makes his disciples probe for more. And they ask him, well, when is this going to happen, Jesus? And what are going to be some of the signs that this coming destruction is about here? And if they were amazed at what Jesus told them was going to happen to the temple, imagine how taken aback they must have been when Jesus turned their thoughts from what was going to happen to the temple and started talking about what was going to happen to them. And he rattled off a series of warnings. We're used to warnings in life, right? Weather warnings, tornado warnings. There's warnings on your hair dryer that tell you not to use it while you're standing in the bathtub. There are warnings on the drain cleaner telling you not to drink it. There's warnings on, on TV commercials about medicine telling you who shouldn't take that medicine and all the possible damaging side effects. 
Those warnings, of course, are meant to keep us safe from harm. The warnings that Jesus speaks here are meant to keep our souls safe from harm. Safe from things that we might otherwise look at and assume that everything in life is hopeless. Jesus is speaking here about the things that will happen in the world from the time after he ascended back into heaven all the way to the end of time up to the last day, to judgment day. He warns us that leading right up to the end, there will be conflicts among the nations of the world, nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Sometimes we know that it's even kingdoms divided amongst themselves. Wars and rumors of wars. These things must happen first, Jesus says, but the end will not come right away. Well, we see wars happening right now. Our heart hurts for the people in Ukraine who've been at war, a war they didn't choose. What should we do in response? Well, we should pray for those whose lives have been upended by warfare. We should pray uh, for peace to come, for the Lord to come and restore peace there. But given what Jesus is saying here, every time that we hear about a war somewhere in the world, we should take it a step further and remind ourselves that this is just another one of the things that Jesus says will necessarily happen and then the end will come. Jesus goes on. He warns us that there will be signs in nature they come in the form of natural disasters. He talks of coming earthquakes, famines, and pestilences. And we, we would add things to that list like hurricanes and, and tornadoes and wildfires that burn out of control and, and global pandemics. And friends, as we learn and live through such things, Jesus does not want us to lose heart. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talked about some of those things and he described them like this as birth pains. They're kind of like a pregnant mother's contractions. Those contractions are painful for her to go through. And they're followed by painful pains of, of labor, but, but they serve a good purpose. They tell her to get ready. They tell her to go to the hospital because they're warning her something big is about to take place. And a contraction comes and labor pain comes and then suddenly it ends. And that mother finds herself cradling a beautiful new life in her arms. As we live through these difficult times, as we experience life's various contractions, let's not lose our head. Let's not lose heart. And for heaven's sakes, let's not turn on each other. Instead, let all of that move you right up to the edge of your spiritual seat. Let it make you more watchful. Let it make you trust more in the promises of God, waiting for him to come, confident, ready that, that you're ready in faith for Jesus to return because when he comes in glory, Jesus will give us a new and perfect and endless life to cradle in our arms forevermore. But it's not just conflict from natural disasters. It's not just conflict among the nations of the world. Jesus is warning that there will also be conflict between the unbelieving world and his own people. So in verse 8, he warns of false teachers and their false claims. Do not follow them, Jesus says, because they can't lead us anywhere good. But it gets worse. Jesus went on to warn his disciples they'll be arrested and imprisoned. They'd be persecuted and put on trial. They would even be hated and betrayed by relatives and friends. And then Jesus warned them, they will put some of you to death. 
I can't even imagine the look on the disciples' faces. I mean, one minute they're standing there marveling at this magnificent temple building. And the next thing they know, Jesus is giving them an unfiltered account about the persecution that they'll face, how difficult life can become, even for the Lord's own people. Tradition holds that many of the apostles were put to death for the sake of the gospel. Well, how were they to respond to all of that? Or more pointedly, dear Christian, how will you respond to all of that? Because while we watch and wait for Jesus to come again on the last day, we Christians are not the only ones who will suffer through some unpleasant things, but we are among those who will suffer some terrible, unpleasant things. And we've all learned that the hard way. Life is often difficult and complicated and challenging, and when we suffer, what are our options in life? Well, I suppose that we can get angry and bitter, that we could decide that we're going to take revenge on those who've made life miserable for us. We can be filled with thoughts of of hatefulness. I suppose we can throw up our hands in despair and kind of just give up. Would you look closer at what Jesus says this morning? When his disciples would suffer through those terrible times, how were they supposed to respond? Jesus does not tell them to take up arms and start fighting. What does he tell them? To take up that which we call the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Jesus says to his disciples, fellows, when things get difficult for you and you are thrown in prison and you're forced to go on trial, don't worry about what to say because I will give you the words to say. He says, I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. And has he ever, he has given us a Bible filled with those kinds of words, wisdom from on high, this mighty, powerful gospel. He gives us words that demolish strongholds and destroy despair and send Satan running. But please notice this morning, the words that Jesus would give his disciples would not make them outwardly invincible. And it would not make them immune to problems. Having Jesus on their side wouldn't mean every time that the shackles would fall off or the prison doors would fly open. Sometimes they did, but not always. Having the words of Jesus would not cause the stones that they would have hurled at them or the sword that would be held above them to just fall harmlessly off to the side, sparing their life. As I said, it would appear that a number of the apostles were martyred because of their faith in the Lord Jesus. Having the words of Jesus planted in their heart and ringing in their ears wouldn't always keep them from suffering physical harm, and it won't always keep us from suffering either, friends. But here's the point. Having the words and the promises of Jesus will ensure our ultimate victory. Notice Jesus isn't vague here. He isn't iffy. He doesn't just wish us well, he promises us well. He says in the last verse of our text, by standing firm, you will gain life 
And that's amazing. That's amazing because there's more than enough sin in my heart and in my life to cause the temple of my eternity to come crashing down with not one stone left on another. Completely destroyed, guilty as charged. Isn't that true of you too? And yet Jesus says, by standing firm, you will gain life. And you know why. It's because we aren't standing firm on ourselves or our strength or our good lives or anything in and of ourselves. We're standing firm on the Lord Jesus Christ, on his work for us, on his truth, on his gospel, because the very Savior who said this has saved us. Because Christ stood firm in the face of his dreaded enemies because he stood in our place against sin and death and hell and he won. Unlike that temple that Herod had built, which was eventually destroyed and was never seen ever again, the temple of Jesus' body, which was put to death on Good Friday, he raised again on the third day just as promised. Remember he said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And he did. What is true of Christ is also true of the Christian. And that means, believer, that it's true of you. In this world, you will have trouble. Count on it. But take heart. As the Lord Jesus lived and died and rose again, so through faith in him will we live and die and rise again. As you live your life amidst all of the troubles and difficulties and challenges, you take up this sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Stake everything in your life on what the Lord Jesus promises you right here because he's never wrong and he would never, ever lie to you. In fact, he already won. And he's standing there waiting until the time is just right to give you what he already has in heaven. Trouble? Challenges? Difficulties? Let's hang on to Jesus, dear believers. Let's stake our life on Christ. Let's believe him when he makes us this splendid promise by standing firm. You will gain life. God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen.